0: You are listening to Grow a Thriving Practice Podcast. This is episode 27, How I Got Here, part two. Grow a Thriving Practice, a podcast made for biofield tuning practitioners, offering the resources to enhance your practice, grow your business, and continue your journey of self-discovery. I'm your host, Jillian Falmo. Hello again, friends. Thank you for tuning back in. Today is part two of how I got here. And if you haven't listened to episode 26 yet, go ahead and listen in on that because you, I don't know, you might be a little bit lost if uh, you haven't listened to that. But that's part one of how I got here. I am sharing my story with you because I want to connect with you and I want to share and. Um, I'm, really, I'm really happy to hear the feedback that I've gotten on the first um, part of this uh, that um, some of you have enjoyed listening. So thank you. It's, it's actually kind of fun to tell this story. So where we left off? Oh, I don't even know. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't write a timeline for this. So I'm just going to hope that it doesn't come out um, too jumbled. But, uh, all right. So 2017, man, what a transformational year. If you knew me in 2017, you were probably one of those people that said, I can imagine what this is going to look like in your timeline in a few years. (laughs) It was a big one for me. So In, let's see, early 2016, no, late 2016, November, we did our first ever teacher training. And it was the first time that I had flown to San Diego with Eileen. And it was Angela Kent and I that flew out there with her um, to teach this teacher training. And, um, man, it it was a lot of fun. And it was really cool to be in San Diego. That was, I think I already said this, but that was my first time in San Diego and being on the West Coast. Actually, no, I went to the West Coast one other time besides that, but um, just really felt expansive uh, leaving Vermont to go to San Diego. Uh, We were there for uh, about a week or so. And, um, And after teaching this class in, um, the teacher training, we decided, uh, we wanted to teach more classes in San Diego and Eileen had some lined up. So it was February of 2017 that we all came out here again to, um, teach a level two class. Cause, uh, which just for you, you knew practitioners and students, Our levels in biofield tuning used to be level one, two, three, and four. And we combined level two and three to be practitioner training. So level one's foundations, level two and three is practitioner training and level four is advanced module one, which I know so many of you are dying to take that class. And I'm really excited for you because... Um, it's definitely on Eileen's priority list um, it's just a matter of when is the is going to be the most appropriate time to do in person um, because doing the advanced module one online uh, it just doesn't really seem feasible just because there's some partner um, techniques in there but you know we'll see what happens. Anyway, so I was going to this to teach this level two class with Eileen. She had already taught a level one in San Diego, I think in December. And um, man, I miss traveling with Angela and teaching these classes with Angela because it was like every class was an adventure. Um, And we were just so silly together. Angela, if you're listening to this, I love you so much. (laughs) I miss you. But this one was definitely a big adventure. Um, so, and I'm just going to tell this like straight up, like you might judge me a little bit and that's okay. I'm just going to let you, um, but we were doing sign-ins for the class, um, the first day that it started and, two guys walked into the room. Usually we were so used to our classes being female. And not only were there two guys that were walking into the room, but there were two guys that, um, were around my age. So these two guys walk into the room and I was like, Oh, wow. (laughs) Like both attractive men. Um, and I was not looking for, for any kind of anything at that time. It was just something I was noticing. And, um, I noticed, uh, one of the, the men, um, just really got my, my wheels churning or I don't know, my gears spinning. Like I felt like really, really attracted to him and, um, I was engaged at the time. So I tried to really shut that down. (laughs) Um, but here's a little bit, wait, how do I do this? Okay. So anyway, so. This guy's name was Matt (laughs) and he came up to me and he said, hi, as he was checking in and he looked me right in the eye and something happened to me in that moment. I, I was like, whoa, like that was some intense eye contact. Um, and I just felt like all giddy after that. And I kept telling my, I was judging myself. I was like, this is completely inappropriate. You are being ridiculous. Like, stop this. You're being boy crazy. And anyway, I could tell so many details about this, but basically, um, after a few conversations with Matt, I realized that I had already known him somehow. And, um, so let me kind of backtrack to a month before this encounter, my, um, At the time, you know, I was engaged, um, my fiance then, and I were planning on getting married that October and we had already been engaged for about a year and, um, things were difficult, um, between us. Like, you know, he, he was, and is a really great person, kind, generous, um, very loving and affectionate. And, um, and there, but there was just something missing, um, between us. It, I don't really know how to describe it, but I knew that something, something wasn't quite right. Something was missing. It wasn't any fault of his, it wasn't anything that he was doing. Um, but just a lot, there was a lot of back and forth with me of if I should move forward with this and if I should, um, break it off. And, um, there was a time earlier that year in August where I got this feeling, um, that I needed to, that I needed to break it off. And I, I didn't listen to that because there was no way I could rationalize it. Like he was this great guy. Like what? Well, if not him, then who, you know? Um, so I stayed in the relationship, And, um, I had a lot of sessions, a lot of biofield tuning sessions where I knew that this wasn't my path and the practitioners that worked with me knew that this wasn't my path. You know, it was never really spoken. It was just sort of this, this unspoken thing. Um, but I do remember Eileen saying at one time, like, like she sensed she sensed the relationship in my earth star. And she mentioned something about, you know, being two different calipers, um, that we weren't, we weren't on the same caliper, like we weren't on the same level or wavelength. And while I agreed with her, like there was still huge, huge sense of denial that, that he wasn't the one because, um, you know, we, we were good companions, like really, really good friends. Um, and we both cared about each other and loved each other. And so anyway, in January, this is a month before that trip to San Diego. Um, wow, this is really vulnerable. I didn't think it was going to be this vulnerable, but uh, there's something about it that feels really good. Um, okay. Back in January, I, I was, trying to manifest a different kind of relationship between us. One that was deeper, that was fuller and richer that felt more playful, had more humor, but it was like, it was deep. And I closed my eyes to envision us in that space together. And what came into my field of vision was a man, but it was not him. Um, my former fiance, uh, had brown hair and blue eyes and he was tall. And, um, and this man in my vision had blonde hair and blue eyes and was more petite. And there was something in me that like knew he was in California. Um, and. I think at that time I didn't, I didn't really, um, realize I would be going back to California so much. So I was like, well, this makes no sense. Like what the crap (laughs) is this? And I was really distraught actually, because, um, and I was angry. I was angry with the universe and I was angry with, um, God because I was just so totally confused. And, So I cried a little, I stomped around the house, you know, I threw my fist up at the sky and I was like, why? This is so confusing. I just wanted to visualize me and my fiance at that time in, you know, in a different light. And then I get this vision of like, what's going on? So, um, I kind of forgot about it for a while. Like I was, I was mad. Um, for maybe that day. And then I I just kind of shoved, shoved the rest down, (laughs) and kept moving forward. And so totally forgot about it. You know, me and him, we sent out, save the dates right before I left for San Diego. And and then in San Diego, it all made sense. And I didn't, so when I met Matt, I didn't remember that I had the vision of meeting Matt, but my subconscious did. And that's why all the, like all those gears felt like they were turning and there was really like something physically happening to me in this really intense attraction that I was not, I did not feel like I was creating on purpose at all. It wasn't until just a few conversations um, later that I remembered this vision and I like had a total freak out and um, I was kind of like in... In the mid, it was like on a lunch break during class, so felt like, you know, I, I couldn't I couldn't really address it, but I remember telling Eileen and Angela, and they just saw the kind of like shock in my eyes, and they they knew they knew that what I was saying was true because of I think how deeply affected I was, and also um, Eileen said that uh, the moment she met Matt, like she wasn't aware of it, but she knew that we were bookends for one another. So, um, yeah, so it was a really awkward class. Definitely, because I, uh, well, first of all, Matt was my student and um, ethically, you know, you don't date your students or do (laughs) anything like that. Um, But after class, I reached out to him, which I, I don't, you know, please don't think that I'm someone who does this kind of thing. This was just really like, I couldn't, this was something I could not deny. So as shortly after the class, I messaged him and I, I just said, Hey, um, I think we should stay connected. And, um, you know, if you're open to it, I'd love to, I'd love to chat and, um, you know, talk about, you know, what that might look like. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, okay. Um, So from his side of the story, he was also attracted to me, but saw the ring on my finger. And he was like, no, not definitely not going there. Um, That has his own wonderful story. And maybe I'll bring him on the podcast one day and we can kind of hear his side of things. So you might know Matt. He's also a certified biofield tuning practitioner. He was certified in 2017 and um, he's also been working for The organization since I think 2019. Um, He works with um, the class rosters and on the communications back and forth and some marketing as well. Um, So if you're a newer student, you might even have been in contact with him through uh, biofieldtuning.com. But um, I didn't, you know, I think at that time I didn't Know that I didn't. I didn't know that we would get married, but I, I like a whole new world was just opened up to me, and everything made sense. Like the the universe, God had been knocking at my door, telling me, "Hello, you need to go in a different direction here." Like there's something else. There's there's someone else, and I just didn't listen. And then when this happened, it was like I just got slapped in the face. Like wake up here it is <laughs> what are you gonna do now so um i did a lot of processing um that week and ultimately just decided well what i do know is that i need to get out of this current relationship and that i you know this is something that that needs to end now before it you know we get up to the altar and you know I don't show up or something horrible like that. So I got, as soon as I got back to Vermont, um, I broke things off and that was really, really hard. Um, we had really built something together and, um, it was difficult. And if you, I'm sure that a lot of you know what that's like, um, ending a relationship that, um, you know, it wasn't harmful There, there wasn't, anything wrong with it. um, it just wasn't the path and, um, lots of grieving after that, for sure. And if, you know, if there are times where I feel like if I could have done things differently, I would have, but you can't really go back in time. So uh, take a deep breath with me. (laughs) So I decided, well, Matt and I, we, we stayed in touch on the phone and we, um, within the first few conversations on the phone, I, I knew that he was the one, um, you know, he was someone that I could talk to. We talked for like five hours at a time, just about every day. And the way that our lives were kind of set up and the timing of our schedules was so perfect. Like he had this really long, he was living in, um, Temecula, California at the time and, um, traveling to San Diego, um, each day for work. So he had, um, two hours in the car, one hour on the way down and one on the way back. And sometimes it was even longer depending on traffic. So we, we talked a lot and, um, Matt has two daughters, Kinley and Elin, and half the time, um, they would be with their mom. So he had many free evenings, um, to talk with me. And this is when I ended up staying up way later than I would have liked to. I, I'm an early to bed kind of girl and I would stay up till 11, sometimes midnight talking with Matt. And we would just have, the most amazing and fulfilling conversations, and so over the course of five months, long distance, um, we got to know each other very well on an emotional and mental level, and I think that that was really important for the both of us to have that kind of um, stimulation. And when we would get together in person, it would just make the magic um, that much stronger. And so I did. I went out to visit him a few times. Um, in San Diego again, sometimes coupled with teaching and sometimes just on my own. And he came out to Vermont. Um, but, uh, we decided ultimately that, um, we wanted to get married. And so five months later, I, um, I left my home in Vermont. I left everything in Vermont and I moved to San Diego and we got married and, um, I'm just so glad that I did. And even though it was really hard leaving, things and people behind, um, it, man, I, I can't imagine my life without him and without Kinley and Elon. And so in 2017, um, I continued to teach. And, uh, that was when I moved to California. That is when I, um, let nursing go all together because I, I moved to California and I, I didn't have any nursing ties. And so I just decided to build my practice. Um, I left my in-person clients, which was really hard. I offered um, all of them remote sessions, um, but only a few of them um, took me up on those remote sessions. I think they were mostly preferring in-person. So I, I built a practice all over again in San Diego, um, some remote. And I also had, I had a lovely, we had a lovely apartment where people could come in and get sessions. So that was pretty cool. Got to meet a lot of my clients in San Diego. Um, and so now like how, this is also about the time when I discovered coaching too, because I'm such an idealist, like marrying Matt, and having two stepdaughters, like instantly, I became an instant mom and I was like ready for that. And it was all good, but I had like other ideals of what that would look like. You know, this sort of like fairy, fairy stepmother image it was a lot harder than that. And these girls are amazing. Like Kinley and Elon, they are some of the most resilient, adaptable kids I have ever met, not to mention intelligent connected um humorous <laughs> um so it's it's not like they ever did anything wrong but that dynamic of being stepmom and um you know having this new dynamic of you know ex-wife in the picture and trying to take in that understand trying to interst- understand the history and the dynamics and like inserting myself there and Woo! That was, that was um, a roller coaster, <laughs> to say the least. And again, not to anyone's fault, but just sort of my own expectations of how I thought things would be versus how they really were, and my own understanding and processing, and my own like mind drama and how I would get into this. So I kind of noticed like three primary emotions um, that came up and that, uh, isolation, um, rejection. What was the other one? Grief. Grief came up a lot, um, with, you know, what I, what I left like that, the world that I left before, like who I was before and now like this new identity. And so I would just get like, Get caught and spin in these emotions. And I felt totally out of control. I could not, I could not climb out. You know, I get tune-ups and that would help temporarily, but then I'd find myself back in those patterns. And so there were many a night that um Matt and I would stay up and he was such a good listener. It's so good at holding space during this time for me. And I can imagine how. You know, it probably wasn't what he was expecting either. He wasn't expecting like a big sobbing mess um, every night, but he did such a beautiful job holding space. Um, but I remember like some nights staying up and and talking and just crying and saying, I wish there was some sort of like step-by-step process for how to move through this, like how to understand what I'm experiencing and then find my way out. Um, because I just felt like I, I kept going deeper and deeper into the emotion and not in a really beneficial way. Like I was indulging it and I was finding evidence for all of the things like I, like if I was feeling isolated, then I was looking for evidence and all the ways in which I was excluded and not a part of the picture. If I was feeling rejection, I was looking for all the ways in which I wasn't wanted and appreciated. And, and if I was feeling grief, I would just all went through boxes and boxes and boxes. And, um, so I, I started looking for resources to help me. Um I read a book on step parenting that did not help at all. I think it made things worse. Um I saw a stepmom coach. I think that made it worse. Like she kind of like um I don't know how to describe what she was she kind of was like kind of took the side of like, yeah, you're right and they're wrong and it, to this point of like justification and validation, which just fed the drama. Um, so, yeah, that didn't help. And then I found a podcast called Bold New Mom, and um, she was a coach and um, a coach of my faith. And um, so I, I just devoured her podcast and um, learned from her that, uh, our thoughts are what create our feelings. Like our feelings don't just happen to us. They're not just these like events that happen to us. Like we create them based on what we are thinking and what we are believing in that moment. And that um, for me was huge because I knew that if I was creating those emotions, then I could uncreate them. Right. And so, so I kept on listening and um, she talked about uh, her teacher, her coach, Brooke Castillo, who founded the Life Coach School. And um, Brooke Castillo developed something called the model that I use in my coaching now, that um, it's uh, the acronym is CTFAR. And it's all about, so the same concept, our thoughts create our feelings and more than that our feelings drive our actions and our actions create our results so it wasn't and then we have our so the c is circumstances the t is thought the f is feeling the a is action the r is result and so it's not our circumstances or the things outside of us that create our feelings, create our emotions. Again, it's what we're thinking. And so we have thoughts about those things that are happening beyond our control. So husband says words (laughs) is a circumstance. And then I have thoughts about those words. And those thoughts are what generate a feeling. The feeling drives my behavior and the behavior has an effect on me and my experience. And so really understanding this was huge and it was exactly what I had been seeking is like, like I said, I, like, I need some sort of roadmap, I need some sort of, you know, tool to get out of this. And that was it. And really, I wasn't, it wasn't a roadmap out. It was more of like a roadmap in. Like how I am creating my experience, and um, to me that was so empowering. And every time after that that I felt isolated or rejected or uh, I felt grief, I would look at that and I'd go, "Okay, what am I thinking? To, what am I believing to create this emotion?" And certainly in the beginning, you know that it's like there's three stages of awareness. So the first level of awareness you kind of look back on your experience and go, okay, how did I create that? What was I thinking? What was I feeling? What was I doing from those feelings? The second stage of awareness is having the awareness while you're in the current model. So let's say like, I'm feeling sad in this moment, taking a moment to go, okay, what am I thinking? That's creating this sadness. And how do I want to respond? And then the third stage of of awareness is like catching yourself before the thought even happens, like knowing what to expect yourself to be thinking and deliberately thinking something else intentionally to create a different experience. Now, this is not purple washing, which means to, to deny your emotions and think about butterflies and rainbows and daisies and all that. It's like, it's much more profound than that. Um, but just back to what I was saying, uh in the beginning, I was no, you know, I'd have my my moments and um I would be able to kind of look at it afterwards and go, okay, what happened there? Like how did I how did I get into that hole again? And uh okay, so great, I have awareness there now. And then it so I think it took about a, a year of practicing with the model and doing some self-coaching, um, and, uh, just continuing to listen to those podcasts, the life coach school podcasts, um, on, on just different things, you know, about, about life, um, to be able to really get to this point where I, I was not having breakdowns anymore and staying up all night and crying and. Matt really noticed this with me. And I, we were driving in the car one day, um, up to see his family. And I said, you know, I, I think I really want to get certified to be a life coach by the life coach school. And he's, he was like, you know what? I am 100% behind you because he saw the change that it had on me. Now, mind you, this is probably one of the most expensive life coach certifications out there. Um, it's, and we didn't know at the time how we would, how we would manage to pay for that. Um, and that's what he said. He goes, I don't know how we're going to make this happen, but we're going to make it happen. Like you need to do this. And so it was so nice to have support in that way. So in 2000, 2018, I, um, just the next year I signed up for the school, it took six I knew I wanted to integrate it with biofield tuning and I started to, I kind of tried a few, few things, um, integrating coaching with biofield tuning, like doing a biofield tuning session first, see what comes up and then have coaching around that. And I also integrated asking some of the questions and holding space into my actual biofield tuning sessions. So that was really cool to see. And, um, to me, I felt, I feel like this is kind of a, a missing piece, this coaching aspect, because, you know, we're working with people and their emotions. And um, in my case, I had received so, 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 so many sessions, but I still didn't know how to direct my mind in a, in a productive way. I didn't know how to allow the emotions I was feeling. I understood the concept. Like I got that, that, that we need to allow our emotions, that there are waveforms moving through us and we don't want to suppress and we don't want to resist. But I needed more um, context to really understand how to apply that in my life. And I feel like um, coaching has given me That And so I kind of see, like, I see biofield tuning as being such an amazing resource and tool and modality to clear things. And I see coaching as a way to maintain that clarity, um, to do that work day in and day out. Like it's, it's really a practice of mindfulness, um, the kind of coaching that, um, that I, coach others on, but all that, that I really apply to myself day in and day out. And, um, the life coach school, they encourage you to, uh, to, to decide on a niche, someone that it's a a population that you really want to work with, that you want to help, that you can relate to. And biofield tuning has been my life for the past eight years, or maybe even more than that. And so, um, of course, who else (laughs) would I want to work with Um, but biofield tuning practitioners and students? And because I just feel like we we get each other like once you're exposed to this world of electricity and sound and liberation and freedom and. know this this way of living finding other people in the world who speak your language and who who get you the way that we get each other it's it's amazing it's invaluable and so um i really started to think about uh, think about that and um What better way to serve you than to, it's, you know, this, my program that I offer, I was thinking about this the other day. It's not only helping you to grow your practice, but it's really, it's really to get you aligned with who you are, who you truly are at your core. That is what, All of this has done for me, biofield tuning, coaching. I feel more and more aligned each and every day with these tools. And I have to say, I'm so proud of my growth and where I am now. And if you would have told me five years ago that I'd be where I am today, I probably would have looked at you like you were crazy. (laughs) And so I feel like I'm living proof that you can, you can definitely realize your dreams. Not that like all of my dreams are realized, like I'm a dreamer and <laughs> I have some pretty, um, pretty big goals and some that I can't even comprehend. Like I can feel the expansion of that dream, but like the details aren't quite there. Um, but I know, I know like I'm headed that way. Like I feel that alignment. I feel that. There's so much more on this journey, um, for me to learn and, and it's not always going to be easy. And that's, that's the other thing I kind of want to, one of the biggest things I took away from coach training is that, and, and Eileen has talked about this too, like we're not striving for emotional perfection and sort of what that means is like, life there's i don't think there's ever going to be a point that we get to in life where it's going to be really completely comfortable and pleasurable i just don't like what i've learned through my experience with doing my own self-work is that there's contrast in everything And one of the concepts that I learned at the life coach school was that life is 50, 50. So 50% of the time we're going to feel comfort and peace and pleasure. And then the other 50% of the time, we're going to feel discomfort and pain and struggle. And, and I think just knowing that and really believing that and allowing that, Um, like dichotomy to exist has brought me into balance more. Like when I'm experiencing discomfort, I know that this is part of the journey and I can also choose my discomfort. Like I can choose the discomfort of not moving forward with something or quitting ahead of time or just not showing up in the way that I want to. Or I can choose the discomfort of moving forward through uncertainty, through fear, um, through confusion, through self-doubt, right? I'm sure you can relate to both of those types of discomfort. Like One is short-term discomfort of um, moving through some emotion, like fear, uncertainty, doubt, that will often seek something else to like, try and get rid of that. Like, we'll like go to food or drinks or, um, busyness or any of those, like, you know, patterns that don't get us towards our goals. It just kind of distracts us. Right. Or the long-term discomfort of not, of, you know, when we go to those other things, those distractions, we actually create long-term discomfort because we know, we're not in alignment and we're not, um, we're not on the path that we want to be on. So that was kind of a soapbox. <laughs> Hope you're still tuned in. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's how I got here. That's why I'm sitting at this desk right now, um, in a house that's still being, uh, constructed <laughs> just cosmetic things and just feel so, so aligned and strong and empowered. And I still have my days. I still have my days where anxiety comes up or doubt or fear. Um, but I keep showing up because that's who I want to be. And if anything, I hope that this inspires you to be who you want to be, to show up in the way that you want to, whether that's serving more people or honoring your boundaries or finding more connection in your relationships. Thank you again for listening and stay tuned for the next episode where I think I'm going to be interviewing Penny Murray. We have something scheduled on Monday. So stay tuned. Thanks again and talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, Tuner, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please consider leaving a review and subscribe so that you catch each episode as it publishes. Happy tuning.